0: It's easy-to-wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at
1: jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
1: I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny
0: USA.
2: He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
0: <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
1: Hey, y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we bring you a new tidbit from history every day. The day was February 21st, 1965. Malcolm X, an American activist and religious leader, was preparing to speak at a rally for his Organization of Afro-American Unity at the Audubon Ballroom in New York City. But as he was about to address the audience, someone shouted a racial slur, then yelled, get your hand out of my pocket. Malcolm X told them to be calm, and his bodyguards moved to break up the commotion. But as the bodyguards left Malcolm X's watch, a man with a sawed-off shotgun rushed the stage, shooting Malcolm X in the chest. Two more men fired handguns at Malcolm X. The crowd, made up of about 400 people, erupted in panic. Malcolm X was rushed to Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, where he was pronounced dead shortly after his arrival. Malcolm X had told reporters the following just days before his death. I don't worry, I'll tell you. I'm a man who believed that I died 20 years ago, and I live like a man who is dead already. I have no fear whatsoever of anybody or anything." As a champion for Black rights, Malcolm X was an advocate of armed self-defense and Black nationalism. His views on separating Black and white people and other philosophies he had adopted during his time with the Nation of Islam changed in the later years of his life, after his pilgrimage to Mecca. He began speaking out against the Nation of Islam, its principles, and its leader, Elijah Muhammad. But Malcolm X still faced the resentment of people who considered him violent and threatening, as well as members of the Nation of Islam who disapproved of his split with the movement. In fact, Malcolm X had been receiving death threats and been assaulted by people in the Nation of Islam. A week before Malcolm X was assassinated, his house in East Elmhurst, Queens was firebombed. The attackers threw Molotov cocktails through the windows, but one bomb that was supposed to go through the back of the house hit the door and didn't make it inside the house. Malcolm, his wife Betty, and their four daughters made it out alive. The house went up in flames, and the blaze was put out around 3 a.m. No one was charged with the crime, but the Nation of Islam owned the house Malcolm X and his family had lived in, and they were looking to evict him. Malcolm believed the Nation of Islam was responsible for the attack. So a week later, when Malcolm X was assassinated and three members of the Nation of Islam were found guilty, the case was pretty much open and shut. Talmage Hayer, Norman 3x Butler, and Thomas 15x Johnson were convicted of murder in March of 1966 and sentenced to life in prison. Hayer confessed to the crime, but Johnson and Butler maintained their innocence. In 1977 and 78. Heyer submitted affidavits that reaffirmed his statement that the other two men who had been convicted weren't involved in the assassination. Instead, the affidavits named four other men from the Nation of Islam who helped commit the murder. But the case was never reopened and all three were eventually released from prison. But as it often happens when a major social or political figure is assassinated, that's not where the story ended. In the days and years after Malcolm X's murder, conspiracy theories popped up left and right. People blamed the NYPD, FBI, and CIA for not having an adequate police presence at the Audubon Ballroom. Others have accused current Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan of Malcolm X's assassination. And still others are convinced COINTELPRO, as the FBI's counterintelligence program was known, was the chief orchestrator of the assassination. COINTELPRO have been targeting civil rights leaders and getting informants to infiltrate their organizations. Many believe that Malcolm X's assassins may still be on the loose. And in January 2019, a group of more than 60 U.S. citizens called for a new congressional investigation into the assassination of Malcolm X, as well as Martin Luther King Jr., John F. Kennedy, and Robert F. Kennedy. After Malcolm X was assassinated, many grieved him as they would a martyr, and many others welcomed the end to his fiery rhetoric. Malcolm X remains a divisive figure in the history of the civil rights era in America. I'm Eves Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. I just think it's worth mentioning too that Hayer, Johnson, and Butler all later changed their names, but I didn't really talk about that during the story to avoid any confusion. Hayer changed his name to Mujahid abdul Halim, Johnson to Khalil Islam, and Butler to Muhammad Abdul-Aziz. Thanks for showing up. If you haven't gotten your fill of history after listening to today's episode, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TDIHCPodcast. We'll meet here again tomorrow.
2: That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position: warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard right snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly so visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert snagajob.com where america goes to hire
1: hi again everyone i'm eves and you're listening to this day in history class where instead of going back to the future we go back to the past The day was February 21st, 1933. Singer, musician, and activist Nina Simone was born. Simone is remembered for her unique musical style that blended several different genres and often expressed social commentary. Simone was born Eunice Kathleen Wayman in Tryon, North Carolina. Her mother was a Methodist minister and domestic worker, and her father was a handyman and preacher. She was the sixth of eight children, Music was an important part of her life from the time she was a child. She played piano in her mother's church, and she took piano lessons with a woman named Muriel Mazanovich, who influenced her love of Bach. In turn, Bach's music influenced Simone's drive to become a concert pianist. After she graduated from high school, Simone began attending the Juilliard School of Music. She planned on going to the Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia, but the school rejected her application. Simone believed that she did not get in because of her race. But her family had already moved from North Carolina to Philadelphia. So Simone stayed in the city and gave piano lessons. Hoping to earn more money, Simone decided to start playing piano in bars. In 1954, she auditioned to sing at the Midtown Bar & Grill in Atlantic City, New Jersey. She began singing and playing piano for six hours a night there. She mixed classical, gospel, jazz, and blues in her music, topping it off with her deep vocals. She built up an audience of young people at the bar and moved on to more upscale clubs in Philadelphia. Her mother, deeply religious, disapproved of her performing in bars. So she took the stage name Nina Simone, based on the word Nina, a nickname she was given by a boyfriend, and the name of the French actress Simone Signoret. Having had much success in bars, Simone hired agent Jerry Fields, who connected her with Bethlehem Records. In 1959, her debut album Little Girl Blue was released, the first single, I Loves You, Porgy, was a hit and helped launch her career. I love you,
0: Don't let him
1: take me. But Simone was unhappy with her experience at Bethlehem Records. She soon signed with Colpix Records and released her first album with them, The Amazing Nina Simone. From that point, she gained more success as a live performer. She performed at the Newport Jazz Festival and Carnegie Hall. She married Andrew Stroud and had a daughter in 1962. And she continued to perform in jazz clubs, though she resisted the label of jazz singer. As she recorded more songs, Simone began to merge her own style of music with her political views. Her music was influenced by the civil rights movement and acts that took place during it, like the Birmingham church bombing and the murder of Medgar Evers. The song, Mississippi Goddam" expresses her anger over these events and her advocacy of civil rights.
2: Alabama's got me so upset. California's made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi Goddam.
1: Simone also became friends with Lorraine Hansberry, who was also an artist who spoke up for civil rights and other social causes at the time. Simone continued to write protest songs, such as Sunday in Savannah and To Be Young, Gifted, and Black. She made friends with other people in the movement, such as James Baldwin and Langston Hughes. But throughout the 1970s and early 1980s, Simone lived abroad in places like Liberia, Belgium, Barbados, France, and the Netherlands. She was disillusioned by American society and the civil rights movement. On top of that, she left her husband, who had been abusing her. She continued to perform, but she was affected by bipolar disorder. She often had outbursts on stage and she faced many more personal difficulties. In her later years, she published an autobiography, released the album, A Single Woman, and had her music featured on soundtracks. She spent the last years of her life at her home in France. She died in 2003. Just a month after her passing, the Curtis Institute, which rejected her application decades prior, awarded her an honorary degree. Since her death, she has been the subject of a lot of scholarship and films regarding her personal life, as well as her contributions to music and the civil rights movement. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Looking for content a little more sophisticated than cat memes in your feed? Connect with us on social media at Podcast. Or if you would prefer to email us, you can send us a message at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for listening. Merry history to all and to all a good night.
0: For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. List. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
1: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. Zumo Play.